Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The Super Bowl, it is only days away. And if you're looking for a place to bet on any of the different sports going on, BetOnline is the best place and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the pod today. I've got a very special guest with me here today. He's a friend of mine and Donnie Brasco. He's a friend of ours, but you also might know him as producer, writer, and director for the hilarious pregame bits that you'll see on NFL pregame on Fox. He also produces some of the bits for my good friend, now cousin Sal, who I just talked to on a pod recently. It's Norm Souza. How are you, man? Welcome to the pod. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Super Bowl uh, a couple weeks away. Super Bowl's a couple weeks away, and as we talked on the preview pod, Super Bowl just a couple weeks away means you get some time off. Uh, you've been working yeah. uh, day and night, you know, just c- creating all these amazing bits for the NFL pregame experience. We're going to walk it back, and we're going to do the beginning in a second, but how is it uh, with the time off this week? you got a couple of days off. It feels good. It's great. I mean, last year, the Super Bowl was on Fox, so I was in Miami, and this year, I was kind of like, I, I still had like, you know when it's like, you, well, you're from Chicago, right? And and it's if you're in California, your body starts to sweat when the winter starts coming. So like this year, NFC came around and I was like just nervous for no reason because I was like, wait a minute, we don't have the Super Bowl this year. So it felt great. I mean, NFC was, NFC Championship was Fox's kind of Super Bowl. Uh, and we had the early game, so we kind of went all out. But uh, yeah, CBS. And then I think it's NBC the following year or something like that. Like I know NBC and CBS, they trade off who gets the Super Bowl, and then I think we have it the third year. But it's great. I mean, uh, I think I told you before we started uh, recording here, is that, you know, at, once the NFC game was over on Sunday, I started like just drinking beer until like three in the morning <laughs> watching movies because I can. Yeah, you deserve it. And don't worry about the network stuff. They treat the Super Bowl now like some sort of guest house in the Hamptons where like CBS is like, no, I, I'll take it that weekend. And then Fox is like, no, I'll take it. And then this year it's NBC. It's, it's all confusing. I, I don't blame you at all. Yeah, it's usually on a steady rotation of Fox, NBC, CBS. But I think CBS and NBC traded this year or something. For some know. reason, I don't know. Um, and just what was your experience last year at the Super Bowl? I mean, that last year was we were in normal times doing normal things. Yeah. You were around a bunch of people. I'm jealous. Just Just gush and tell me all about what Super Bowl was like last year. Well, it's really funny because last year I was just doing Cousin Sal, producing and directing um, his segments. And uh, basically, I only I stopped working after Thursday Night Football, which was when it, I think Thursday Night Football ends in week 14 or 15. So I basically chilled out and didn't do anything. And they asked Sal to do a comedy sketch for the Super Bowl, which meant I got to go. So I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, and there was talk about him doing a live hit from inside the stadium. Uh, and I was like, okay, great. So I had like full field credentials. I could basically walk, go and do whatever I wanted. And uh, then they nixed his live hit and he flew back home. <laughs> so he, yeah, he finished doing Lock It In on Friday. And he's like, he, he just stopped staying for the game. And he went home on Saturday. So I was like, oh, great. Like I just hung out and watched the Super Bowl <laughs> from the sidelines in Miami. 
it was great. I mean, it's a pretty wild experience, especially like standing behind J-Lo and, uh, you know, on the field for when the confetti dropped. It was really, really cool. Uh, and yeah, it would have been cool if we did the live hit with Cousin Sal, but he went home. So <laughs> I got to just soak it in myself. The fun thing about going to a football game live, if I remember correctly, back when we were able to do that, <laughs> was that you'd kind of be sitting there in the stands and everyone's just sort of standing on the field and you're kind of playing that game of like, what the hell are we all doing? Let's get it going. Let's play some football. But you realize that there's TV timeouts in the live game. What was that like at the Super Bowl? Because I imagine that they're all extended. Like, I think at halftime, halftime's like 45 minutes with the performance in there. The, it, it's kind of a weird feeling, right? Sort of standing around yeah. during a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's way longer than a, than a normal game. So I did a lot of wandering around. And to, and to be honest with you, I wa- I've watched a few games from the sidelines. The sidelines is not a very good place to watch a game because there's no like you can't the bird's eye view you can see everything happening um and from the sideline i was basically just standing there and the dude who like operates he like the end zone pylon cam was like hey i gotta go to the bathroom can you watch my pylon and i was like yeah okay (laughs) like you know i was like helping people out uh helping people find their seats uh just moseying around and then like you know everyone rushes on for the halftime and I caught a bit of it. And then I was like, I'm going to go walk around <laughs> get out of here. Uh, eventually you just become desensitized by the, it's huge. Like the, the especially like the Fox studio compound is like a city inside or right next to uh, what is it? It's hard rock stadium is in Miami. Yeah. Hard rock. Uh, and then there's like a whole other city that's like just in charge of the halftime show. So, it's like by far the biggest television production I've ever experienced. It was like, and it took weeks and weeks to prepare. I got lucky because we shot a quick uh, sketch with uh, Sean Payton and we did it like in a golf course up in West Palm beach, which is actually pretty horrifying too, because we were, it was the super bowl and we were in Miami South beach and we had to drive up to Palm beach, which is like where Mar-a-Lago is. And there was a huge traffic jam because I think like somebody in an SUV tried to like crash into Mar-a-Lago on the oh, yeah. whole weekend. It was the wild. So um, yeah, other than like being stuck in traffic constantly, uh, it was pretty cool. I, I, I can't wait to check out, hopefully Fox gets the Super Bowl that's here in LA and I get to go because that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I've heard just amazing things about that stadium for the people that have gotten the opportunity to actually go in it and sit down and have a seat in there. And yeah, that's amazing from traffic jams in Florida to watching pylons. I'm just thinking, you know, (laughs) Steve, we told you to watch one pylon and you gave it to Norm. What what happened? How are you? I'm not supposed to be here. But Uh, I got one one eye on it. It's fine. I've been been in SoFi underneath it to where the production trucks are uh, earlier this year. It's a big... It's very big. A massive undertaking. And it looks like a soccer pitch when you go, when you like see the field. Cause it's, it looks covered, but it's not like, you know, when can get, have you been to a lot of football stadiums? Cause Dallas is very similar. Cowboy stadium has this, like, you feel like you're inside, but there's wind coming in. Well, isn't it open? I believe it's open like on both sides though. Right. Isn't yeah. that sort of Dallas is the AT&T stadiums intention is like, it's almost like almost like a wind tunnel in a strange way. Like, wide open yes so far very similar but obviously it's more just a it's a lot like la it's just like a sprawling wide <laughs> compound that like it takes like five hours to drive around 
but yeah, it, I was underneath it earlier this year for a cousin style segment. And I think so that's, that's the intention. The bigger you make it, the more easy you are to get lost in there and you stay in there. I think that's what Dodger Stadium's parking lot's all about. It's like, well, I can't find my car. Let's just go back in the stadium. That's how I always felt yeah, that yeah, they tried yeah. to like pull that off. Well, I do want to ask you for the listeners out there, mm-hmm. everyone that's listening is probably uh, sports obsessive. I'm sports obsessive. You love sports as well. So kind of walk us through a little bit, you know, for the people that don't know Norm, super hilarious dude. Uh, we know each other through a gentleman named Patrick Babbitt, who is in some of your spots this year, who yeah. also has been on the pod previously. He did a little classic on our pod called Ernest Scared Stupid, the movie pod series. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I bring him in for the big shit. But, um, you know, you're, you're hilarious, dude. We've known each other for a little while. Just kind of walk people through, you know, how how did you get how did you get into this gig? How did you, you know, get the NFL on Fox role? And obviously you've been so successful with it the last couple of years. Yeah, it's really funny because I'm Canadian. So I started in Canada and I've been working in sports uh, and sports comedy specifically since like 2012 or something. Uh, there was a, a small network in Canada called The Score which was the third tier sports network. I think it's like, it was Sportsnet, TSN, which is the, TSN is the ESPN equivalent. Sportsnet is like the- Local regional. regional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, but also very big, owned by Rogers. And then their sport, the score was like the runt that basically did a lot of highlights and we had wrestling. So I started doing like a sports pop culture comedy show there with Renee Paquette, who became Renee Young in WWE. Uh, And then I like left because I got, uh, I was like an actor, a comedian and an actor. So I was doing live comedy still all the time, sketch comedy. It's really a weird connection because my, you know, I, I started doing TV. I did a show for Discovery Channel. And then I hosted like a talk show. And then like, I, I was like, didn't work for a year and decided to move to LA uh, to pursue acting. And then there's, I don't know if you know, uh, Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole, they are, they did FS1 uh, Fox Sports Live. But before that, they did a, they were the number one highlight team in on TSN in Canada. So they had already, when FS1 launched, they went to LA, they got big contracts to do that whole thing. And I was still in Canada twiddling her thumbs, but Jay had guested on our like weekly sketch comedy show at the comedy club in Toronto. So we knew each other. And my writing partner at the time, Brendo was friendly with them. And I moved here with my friend, Brendo, who is friends with Jay. And they just revamped Fox Sports Live. Uh, and Jay Onright from Canada knew us from back there said, Hey, I, I might know a couple of writers and brought in me and Brendo to come and write sketches for them. We didn't know that like, you know, we, I think it was like a couple, like, it wasn't even that much money, but we were writing uh, a sports comedy show uh, every day. And we got to do like two sketches a day, every day, <laughs> five days a week for like, you know, a thousand bucks <laughs> stupid totally getting ripped off we didn't <laughs> no no a lot of mileage a lot of mileage in those <laughs> sketches <laughs> yeah so what's really funny though is like we were I, I had been in la for like six or seven months maybe longer and i was running out of money and brendo 
literally the day we had our he, we found out we got the job he had a interview at like a pasta restaurant to be like a server and he was like and then he's like oh we got the job and he like didn't go to to be a you know didn't do the interview to be a server at a restaurant pasta man this, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah 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 and um so then we did that for i mean we did that for a year and a half maybe more uh those guys moved back to canada to do sports center uh which is what they're i mean literally born to do those two guys brenda went back to write for sports center with them i wrote some of their show from here and then started doing a couple other weird things like you know then it's just you've been in these circles long enough and then if you go to watch games there are people in the entertainment business who tangentially work in sports. Like I got asked to do help write this, a pilot for Richard Jefferson, the basketball player. Yeah. Who's doing podcasts uh, now and is actually becoming a bit of a talking head in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I help I write his pilot. He's a super nice guy and very funny too, by the way. And so I was working on his pilot and then I don't, basically I don't know what happened. Someone at Fox, remembered me from Fox Sports Live and they were working with uh, Vince Wilfork from the Patriots. He was doing uh, very famous the- barbecue uh, memes. And- <laughs> yes. Yes. Showing up on hard docs, showing up to the Texans camp and overalls was this, like big thing. So I, Power I interviewed. Move. Yeah. I interviewed for it. Someone brought me in to interview for it and then I didn't get it. And uh, they brought me in about halfway through the season to kind of travel and, and help out those segments. And I did that for a bit. And then they brought me back uh, just to do South. And then this year uh, they got me to do Sal and the sketches whenever I could, which ended up being every week <laughs> because um, I mean, the sketches are great for me because I get to write, produce, direct, and kind of call the shots on it. And it goes back to my sketch comedy background back in Canada which is great. But mostly uh, I think I'm a comedian first and I'm a performer first and uh, sports knowledge and numbers and, and all that stuff. It doesn't really help you if you're trying to do comedy, you know, it, it's good to know uh, what's going on. My, my thing is I, I'm not like, I don't get into the nitty gritty numbers, but I, I, I think it's important if you're going to be doing like comedy to know every team, who's good on that team, which teams are good and bad, um, and try to like have a broad knowledge of what's going on, especially when I was doing FS1 and Sports Center in Canada. I mean, Canada is co- hockey. It's like hockey leads Sports Center every night. So I, you know, you have to have a firm understanding of what's going on there. In the summertime, everyone just does baseball. So you kind of have to know what's going on in baseball, which is difficult. I mean, there's a lot of players, there's a lot of numbers. Uh, and then you get asked to do NFL. So it's like, if you don't have a firm and I like basketball, like I, I'm a basketball guy first. So it, the problem is, is, uh, you know, TSN in Canada has some NBA and the Raptors became popular, but they weren't for the longest time. And here in the U S I mean, football here is just, you know, as a Canadian coming here, it's crazy. <laughs> so is it intimidating? <laughs> it's wild. It's wild, wild, wild. And thankfully, I think to kind of sum it all up, I, I got lucky because 
in terms of pregame shows, Fox is the only one that does comedy. So in terms of like a very niche thing that I do, which is specifically sports sketch comedy, <laughs> there's not many places you can do it. Um, and honestly, Fox, it's I, for me personally, that's a malnourished area, in my opinion. Yeah. Who doesn't yeah. like watching sports and getting ready? And who doesn't like having a laugh at someone's expense? And you were talking about, you know, you know, you can lean on the sports jokes as much as you can. You know what I mean? Like if I were to say to you, like, you know, Pascal Siakam's three point shooting these days, you know, you get like a little, uh, you know, a little harum, you know, there's a specificity to it, but the way that you're able to kind of broaden it and make it accessible, I think that's the skill. I think that's what's, I think that's what makes it work so much. And I, it, it shocks me personally that, sports and comedy don't go a little bit more hand in hand. Maybe it's because you have to deal with athletes and you're worried about their sense of humor. I personally think though, that, you know, the SBs and some of the things that have been happening over the last 10 or 12 years, I, you know, I just see it's an open field that, that should be, uh, I think it should be served, uh, you know, more uh, graciously and more healthily. Uh, let me tell you what I think it is and why it's, it's had a hard time. Like, because there's been a lot. I mean, even the past couple of years, there's been a lot of people who have attempted comedy sports shows. I think like there's been a few, and well, one there's definitely been a couple of Comedy Central that never got picked up because it's a very difficult thing to pull off. And well, and the people that it, know Sports Night in general, you know, that's an old one that everyone says is this cult classic, but obviously didn't live on to see anything. You know, and there was that show that Gronk did this past season that was like that variety show that was had a sports tie-in what was that called was like, i don't know i'm blanking i'm not gonna gronk, pretend to not know that it was like an nbc like variety show gronk was on it serena williams was on it um anyway um the, the main problem with comedy and sports and and it's because you know sports fans are fucking know-it-alls <laughs> you know so like comedy and TV, it's kind of subjective and you can enjoy it and you can appreciate it. And acting is something that a lot of people uh, don't have a, you know, there aren't numbers and figures. There's no math involved. It's good or it's not. And it, when it comes to sports, everyone thinks they know everything. So, you know, when a sports comedy happens, not only is it being judged as comedy, it's also being judged from a sports knowledge perspective and you're like hey like you have to walk that fine line of yeah, you're like, playing you're playing around the edges when you want to be like a little bit more declarative comedically but then you're kind of worried about you know and I, I see what you're saying you know there is a little bit of a black and white of like saying whether a player is good or not and can you make fun of said player without you know aggregators or the haters coming out and being like well this is our guy stay away from our guy Right, which is why, personally, I always lean towards the basic fundamentals of comedy that, you know, I can always fall back on. And whether or not someone is good or bad or what someone's – and things are temporary. People, some people are, are – some players are good and then they're bad and then, they, you know, it, it, you can't really – nothing's really set in stone. But if you fall back on the basic structures of what makes something funny, I mean, you just – slot in names because the names and teams change but once you've created a few structures i mean that's the beautiful about thing about sports is everything is kind of cyclical. or uh, it's cyclical in the sense of like yeah. well, and I, I hear what you're saying because what i really loved about you know all the the bits that you've done this year is that there are fundamental themes that are easily accessible comedically where you know yeah. like the five 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 uh the playoff the playoff chance bit 
or whether it's uh, Nickel Oldian, uh, right, you know right. what I mean? Like that's stuff that people can really get to. And, and you're using characters in sports, but you're not necessarily directly going at them. They're more of like a template to get you through to the end of the joke. And truth be told, like as a producer, um, especially this year, because just to pull back the curtain a bit about how Fox works last year, as opposed to this year, is we had COVID this year. So there was a lot more time and money spent on testing people on, you know, all my actors, yeah, we had to get tested, you know, uh, 24 hours before the shoot. And if there was any question, that shoot was gone. So, you know, that crew you just paid for, the set you just paid for is gone. Yeah. So wait, so, my question for you with that is, as, as a lot of people go through in their careers and not just in comedy, you know, you're building this momentum, you're meeting people, you're getting opportunities, you know, you're getting more confident in your craft. You get the NFL pregame gig last year. You know what I mean? You're coming in, you know, another year, ready to rock and roll. Let's do this. The pandemic hits sports is taken away um, emotionally, oh, yeah. emotionally. And, you know, comedically in your career and everything, are you thinking inside your head? Oh shit. Or is this also maybe an opportunity for you to, build in a lot of material, keep your fingers crossed and just hope that all sports comes back. Cause what, there was a two, three month stretch where I couldn't honestly say we were going to watch games this year. And I don't know if many people could say that either. I think there was a lot of time, even during the season where I thought everything was going to get shut down. Um, especially, you know, with cousin Sal, we were doing the Thursday games and, and early on, I mean, there was that chief Bills game that kept getting moved around. So uh, it, it threw a lot of things off, but also to kind of go back a bit again, I think, especially with sports comedy and things being so niche, uh, like these restrictions are good because it eliminates all the, like all of the options. Like basically, you know, there was a week where we just couldn't do a shoot. So I had to do a bit without one. And, and, and that's, I at least know what I'm in for. And what's funny about the beginning of this season is I think I got a call that I was coming back uh, in week three <laughs> and it was to do a sketch that Sunday. Another thing that is kind of difficult to deal with if you're coming from a, if you're a TV writer or if you're a TV producer is that the Fox NFL pregame show basically operates like a news broadcast where it's, very, very quick. And the turnaround is very, very quick. So if you're a director, writer, producer, you basically find out what the game, you know, you know what the games are. This year's a little more difficult because of all the schedule changing. So you can't really rely on one game that airs that on Fox is the Fox, you know, NFL, you know, America's game. It could be on a Wednesday. Yeah, it could be on a Wednesday. Yeah. 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 Which is exactly what happens so many times. So it, you know, you, once you lose the special, specificity of who who and what you're talking about then things get a little more broad and then you can do a little more sketch comedy like well, yeah, you get freedom piece, you get freedom yeah like the last last piece i did this year was for the nfc championship game but it was written for a tbd celebrity uh, about the nfc championship and then i mean that kind of went away it's really difficult to get uh, a celebrity in the time of COVID because nobody wants to do a shoot. Basically, uh, California and Los Angeles said, actually, you're probably not allowed to. Like so many productions 
of television shows. But I mean, there is a big difference. You know, my a crew that I gather to do a, a sketch in the pregame show is about 10 to 15 people. And I'm sure, you know, uh, CSI Miami has like uh, hundreds of people that are on that crew. So it's a lot easier to manage testing and, and social distance um, in a smaller kind of crew like that. But I think like overall this year was just wild. <laughs> like behind the scenes, it was wild. Like the fact that the show kind of got made every week is pretty incredible. So many of those producers and segment producers and writers and, and the floor director and like even Fox itself, there was, it's hard to quarantine. Like, you know, I think COVID is the big story this year. And the fact that like the pregame shows and everything has kind of gone pre, even now the second half of the season, I think for the most part, the NFL is just putting people on their COVID injured, the injured COVID list or whatever it is. It's the big storyline this year. And last year, uh, I, I think for the restrictions, this year was kind of incredible. And it really worked. I think it really worked out. I think the whole season was very interesting. Uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that COVID was that extra wrinkle, but from a production standpoint, it's uh man, what a wild ride. <laughs> I'm seriously imagining they just like send you a red phone and it's like when the red phone rings, uh, you are on the case and you've got a certain amount of time, but that certain amount of time can maybe be adjusted, but we don't care because we need that in the certain amount of time that we ask for to get it done. And man, dude, you pulled it off. There's just so many, uh, so many funny bits. And obviously I enjoyed, you know, seeing everyone from, from Patrick Babbitt to, you know, your Alana Johnston, Jackie Deruthi, Paul Britton was in the one most recently that you were just talking about, which was great. Yeah. And, and you made it happen, man. And, um, you know, I think this is what 2020 was all about. Just like trying to just do the best of what we can and, uh, make a uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit as best yeah. we possibly could. You know? <laughs> you know, it's really funny that there is like, I did use a lot of people from Chicago. Uh, and I think it's because <laughs> A lot of people from Chicago are like honorary Canadians. It's like well, and also like maybe this is a Canadian thing too. We're like even the comedians that don't watch sports in Chicago know sports in Chicago because it's just in the ether. It absorbs them one way or the other. Like you could never watch a Bears game, and you would still know who Brian Urlacher is in Chicago. If that makes any sense. I was in Chicago. I forget what year it was, but for the Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival, and it happened to be like. Our, we didn't have a show on the Sunday, but there was a Bears game that was on, like a Bears first round playoff game. And like the streets were like a ghost town. It was like <laughs> completely empty. And then you like opened the door to a bar and it was like, ah. <laughs> it was wild. Like Chicago, I, I love Chicago too. I, I, there was a, um, I did a show, a small role on the show called Patriot, which is on Amazon. And we shot, I was in like Chicago for a month, like I forget what year, 2018 or 2017, but uh, man, they love their sports up there. And Canadians too. Canadians are a little different because I mean, we're, we, we love football and, and especially in the, in like the middle, middle, middle America, middle Canada. It's like, it was, it was really funny because we have the CFL up in Canada and it's like the popularity grows the further you go West, <laughs> you know, peaking in like, Saskatchewan yeah. Argonauts for life or yeah yeah Argonauts yeah. yeah um also yeah Canada let's get a football team you know what I mean what's going on here 
Yeah, I don't know why we're going to foggy London town when it's just kind of begging. The the neighbors in the north could easily just have a team up there. Isn't that really, I mean, just a sidetrack. Isn't it crazy that they've been, like, sending teams to England? And then they, like, tried to do that, like, Mexico City. Last year was, like, Mexico City games. and had to cancel them because, like, it was, like, a soccer field. And, like, the field was, like, not even close already. It's like, just put a team in Toronto already. What's well, the, the, the irony, too, as well, has been through this experience since we're talking about, you know, um, you know, sports in the pandemic era is there's been a lot of situations where Canada has just said, no, thanks. Um, and they, the yep. teams that have been involved, you know, from the Toronto Blue Jays to, you know, the Toronto Raptors, it's literally, uh, you know, no, no, thanks. We're, we're not going to be dealing with that. You're going to have to play your games somehow in America, which obviously puts the stress on the sports organizations, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit good on Canada on that one. I mean, if we're going to be crossing borders like that, like crazy, um, and that's the other really weird wrinkle uh, that's been going on this year. Yeah, I mean, even look at the NHL, what they did this year they with the shortened season, but just rejigging the divisions. Uh, truth be told, as a fan, I like the all-Canadian division. I like the just, you know, East New York teams all in, in the same division. I think it's great. All the teams in the West, you're all in the same division. You, you play each other uh, twice in a row. Uh, or, you know, in the NBA, I, I think it, it doesn't work as well. And I know, like, in the NBA, I think from a from what the, you know, back, uh, back pages of the sports blogs is that the players aren't really happy with the situation that they're in playing in empty stadiums and also having to, like, stay in the city for a little longer because well, yeah, they're doing back-to-back. Yeah, I guess, like, being on the road, quarantining on the road when you have to go out and travel, I guess has been really, really tough on the NBA players just in general. But I would say, like, in hockey and baseball, I love the regional, personally. I thought it was really cool, yeah. especially in baseball, where kind of brought that mystery back a little bit of, like, ooh, what would happen if the Cubs did play the Dodgers? You know what I mean? Like, that whole thing in the mm-hmm. World Series, or what would happen if the American League did play the National League? kind of brought that back from my youth a little bit I, I was kind of into it yeah I'm into it and I just regional rivalries are just there's this now because especially in baseball where there's so much interleague play that I'm like yeah you know it, it's for the novelty of it when they it was like oh we do this like twice a year I was like cool but now like every third or fourth series is with the team that you know in the national league, I know there's a, there's on our schedule is on a rotation and yeah, it's fun for me because as a blue Jays fan, they never come and play the Dodgers. Like I think if they come to play the Dodgers every four or five years uh, and I went to the, I go to the games, obviously, you know, I, I think there's a few things that we are going to take away from this year and just sports and COVID era. It's like the players, the players have a lot of power and we need to, to, you know, rejig how we think the scheduling works and how travel works. Like the NBA, the bubble, it's like the thing they love the most, I'm assuming, is that you didn't have to travel every week. That's probably why, you know, I probably stuck to be in Orlando. But the lesson learned was, hey, we probably shouldn't be traveling as much as we are, or we should reduce the amount of back-to-backs, or, you know, we can't have teams playing three games in four nights. Uh, the NFL, to, just to go back to the NFL, I mean, they're they're going to do what they do. <laughs> and I think we've learned that too. Like, 
they they pushed through more than anybody else. Uh, I, was there a, was there a game that was all straight up canceled? Not this this year. There wasn't one, right? There was not. It was a lot of games were pushed around. They tried to do the yeah. best they could in the first two months, and then towards the end of the season, you know, the Cleveland Browns were basically playing, you know, practice squad guys and like you know dudes from yogurt shops at wide receiver. You know what I mean? And that was what they had to deal with. They had to play a playoff game, correct, without a head coach. Uh, Kevin Stefanski. So, what team didn't have the quarterbacks this year? They lost all their quarterbacks. That, that was Denver. 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 <laughs> yeah, they had to play. Uh, they had to play a wide receiver. My favorite part was everyone. Uh, the one there was always one dumbski in all my fantasy leagues that like picked up that dude and he was like, "I'm gonna play him at quarterback and wide receiver. Like, I'm gonna play him at wide receiver. I'm so smart." And then of course you're like, "Yeah, the guy." I can't throw the football, man. <laughs> it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough sledding. Um, uh, Norm, yeah. we're going to hit a lightning round real quick. I want to ask you some more general sports questions, but first we've got to take a quick break from one of our new sponsors and one of my new favorite sponsors, Norm. We're talking right now at 1230 Wednesday afternoon, Pacific time, but you could probably go for a juicy steak right now. And with the new year comes tons of big games and sports with big games. You need big steaks. And that's why Kansas City Steaks has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. So visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. Save up to $25 right now on combos. Perfect for game day. And plus, you can get free shipping with code Believe B-L-E-A-V. That's right, B-L-E-A-V, to let them know that we sent you there. And you can get a snack pack combo. I mean, I don't know, Norm. Mini beef Wellingtons, steak burger sliders, then a nap mac and cheese melts for breakfast or shrimp wrapped bacon at three o'clock in the morning no matter how you slice it, no matter when you have it every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home satisfaction guaranteed or your money back so basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers desserts barbecue and so much more again so go to kansascitysteaks.com slash game day use the code b-l-e-a-v believe at checkout and you'll get free shipping kansas city steaks big games big taste big steaks it's a new sponsor, Norm. I'm loving it. It's, it's a I juicy it. sponsor. <laughs> I'm starving now. <laughs> well, that's I, I part of the rider. That's a part of the rider moving forward. Is we're going to get you one of them uh, mac and cheese melts, oh, uh, really? vacuum sealed, <laughs> over to the house. I miss steak. I miss, I miss going to steakhouses. So I used to go to Taylor's. You know Taylor's Steakhouse here in. Uh, yes. In, oh man, it's so good. I miss it so much. Just anything with a bunch of butter melting on a bunch of stuff on your plate is is a pretty cool, a pretty radical way to go. We we've been ordering uh we've been ordering Costco like to come like to, so we don't go to the grocery stores, but it's like we don't even have room in our freezer for half the stuff. But like for for Christmas, we I was like, yeah, let's get some ribs, and uh, literally it was like an industrial like like you know Flintstone size like, yeah I was gonna say dinosaur. Costco ribs are brontosaurus ribs, I believe, is what they do. I ate, I ate ribs for like eight days straight, and like literally pouring grease out of my eyes. Um, Hold on real quick. Anyway, I'm just going to eat a, get a quick snack. I'm going to eat a quick rib. Uh, <laughs> uh, Norm, I did them three different ways. Yeah, Norm, let's hit a, let's hit a lightning, lightning round real quick. Um, Super yeah. Bowl's coming up. We've got the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. You know, obviously, we all know who the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is. It is Mr. Tom Brady. He's 43 years old going on 44. We all know that, but the Buccaneers, you know, they really haven't been a franchise that has necessarily been tasting a lot of success in previous seasons. You got a wonderful sketch uh, on the NFL pregame uh, called your team is winning again, the book guide. So my question for you is uh, what would Vincent lasagna say to these Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, heading into the Super Bowl? Oh, that they don't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really funny because before the NFC AFC championship, I picked the Packers and 
and I was like, well, I'm a little worried about Mahomes because of the concussion thing, uh, but also the toe, like the, the turf toe he had, which I mean, it's probably a broken toe, but I, I, I clearly it didn't matter. <laughs> like it didn't, it didn't seem like it phased him at all. And I was like, it's going to be cold. Not that Tom Brady is not used to playing in the cold, but the, you know, the Packers were playing great and, and like, it seemed like the Antonio Brown wasn't playing and I, I had a good feeling about it. The, the thing is also the Bucks had a hard time being the Saints, and the Saints Drew Brees was playing terrible. I mean, he, I don't think he has a rib that wasn't broken in that game still, but I, I'm going to have to double down and it, it's gotta be the Chiefs. Um, it, it, Mahomes looks great. Uh, the combination of Kelsey and, and Hill is really, really hard to stop. And I don't think that the Packers played a great game. I don't think the Saints played a great game. The only problem is Tom Brady. And when it comes to the Super Bowl, I mean, his time management, and he's just so used to that spotlight. The thing is, it's like the Chiefs were there last year. Uh, and Mahomes was just there. He knows what it's like now. Um, I, I, you have to pick the Chiefs. I think if you pick the Bucks, uh, you're banking on just Tom Brady having an uh, unbelievable game management and and just great decision making. But I, I'm going to have to pick the Chiefs. And also, you kind of look at it. You mentioned Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, Thunder and Lightning. Can Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, yeah, can they maybe slow down Mahomes early on the game? The only problem was last year in the Super Bowl, the game wasn't really going according to plan for Mahomes, and he still found a way to make plays. And I'm yeah. right there with you, especially last week. A lot of people were talking about the concussion, and I'm with you. I think the toe was a bigger issue. He still looked a little stiff out there, so they shot him up with some of the good the good field juice, and he yeah. was able to get through it. I also was thinking that no one was really talking about that this was a, this is the guy now that when he has a toe injury, everyone goes, oh, no, what's going to happen to him? And then he comes out and plays amazing. I think maybe he's the player of that era of that time that when you're kind of counting him out or where you're saying, oh, maybe we've got him right where we want him. He's the guy that comes out and does great things. And if you're Tampa Bay, I would say maybe, yeah, like, congratulations, you're winning again. Um, you know, <laughs> look around the room and let's take a picture and let's be happy and let's just have this memory because moving forward, man, it's going to be really tough for them. They have to have so many things go their way, including all those cliched bugaboos of like turnovers got to go their way. As you mentioned, time of possession has to go their way. Um, as you mentioned, Mahomes needs to have at least one bad quarter, maybe even a bad half mm -hmm. to give them a shot. And then from there, yeah, I'm with you. If Tom Brady has the ball with six minutes to play and they're in the game, game on, anything can happen. But to get to that place, I think is what's going to be difficult. Yeah. It's going to be really, really interesting. And thankfully kind of, we're in a win-win situation. It's well, if you don't have, a, a, if you're not a Bucks fan or if you're a Chiefs fan, there's only two endings, right? It's either the Chiefs win and you have this passing of the torch moment, which is great. I mean, obviously it seems like Mahomes is the guy and you know, Tom Brady's probably still going to play another two seasons, but uh, if if not, you're going to have if he loses, you're going to have this. Is this the end of his run? He's a, a legend, uh, but now it's Mahomes' time and time for these young gun quarterbacks to take the league over. Or Brady wins, and you're like, this is this is incredible. <laughs> the like, torch was the torch is then owned by a 44 year old for another year, and no one has ever seen that in any sport ever. 
there's no torch. He has the torch. There's no more torches. He owns the torch. It's in his house. <laughs> uh, Giselle has it in a in the in a casing somewhere, or he's like, you know, Brady's just sleeping with the torch in like a. Yeah, he's doing chamber. a tour. He's doing a tour, and he's like, uh, yeah, there's my torch. Um, uh, the NFL, yeah. it's still mine. And uh, there's our avocado ice cream maker. And um... <laughs> because it's, I mean, it's got to be if he w- does win a seventh. It, there's, no two, there's so that. many stats out there that are so unassailable. Um, if you want to hate on the guy, you really kind of have to sort of pick and parcel how you attack him at this point. And in my opinion, like all that stuff that you would attack him on is stuff that happened like seven or eight years ago. So right. at this point, I think it's really, really tough to say to yourself, unless you want to be like that dumb meathead who's just like the game of the NFL has changed and they can't touch the quarterback. And to those people, I just say, get the fuck out of here. This has been going on for a very long time. Uh, those mm-hmm. are the people that are like, that are bitching about when wild cards are added to the mix. It's like, you know, the wild, right. another wild card was added in like 2002. That, that happened 20 years ago and we're still here enjoying the sport. So, if, you uh, know, there's, I, there's, there's nothing I hate more than when people hate a rule change. Yes. <laughs> I, I hate it. I don't like it, Norm. I don't like it. The spirit yeah. of the rule, Norm. <laughs> Uh, I hate it. It makes me absolutely mental. But the one other thing I wanted to say, which is if Mahomes and the Chiefs do win, I mean, he just won two and he's super young. Like, it's how like he could probably four or five is probably not out of the question for him if, if he wins this one back to back. Well, and you've got the scenario too where I think at least you've got prime, as you mentioned, and I think this is the most important aspect is you mentioned Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Them in their prime for the next two or three years really gives them a shot to do a little dynasty run. And then I do theoretically see some sort of reset where he's going to need new, fun, attractive pieces to throw to. He'll still be amazing. But once he loses Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, will they be Super Bowl worthy? Just a couple of years, right? There's always a, there's always a little valley in there. Yeah, this is kind of the situation that the Seahawks were in when Russell was on his when he won a Super Bowl and he was still on that, he was still on his rookie deal, I think. Still on his rookie uh, deal. And they had guys like Doug Baldwin and they had Marshawn Lynch and they had a stacked defense and they were able to put together some really elite seasons. And then, yeah, you got to kind of reinvent and, and remake yourself. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. I, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It, I also think that the Bucks are going to get trounced. Uh, you know, I just think that the Chiefs are too good and the Chiefs have been playing really, really good teams. Uh, and, and I think it was Peter Schrager had this stat. It's like the Chiefs haven't like I think they've lost one game in like 15, 16. Like it's I think it's been like dating back from like last year. It's like they haven't they've lost one game in like yeah, he's uh, he's twenty he's twenty five and one. Um, with since some games that Mahomes has started. The other stat that I liked a whole lot as well was. Tom Brady has been to 10 Super Bowls now in his 21 years. That's a 47% chance of getting there. Steph wow. Curry's Steph Curry's career three-point percentage, the greatest three-point shooter of all time, is 43%. So wow. Tom Brady has a more likelihood of going to a Super Bowl than Steph Curry is of shooting a three-pointer in a game. How fucked up is Wait that? Tom Brady's 43 years old, 43% is like... <laughs> yeah. we're getting a beautiful together. mind yeah it's all swirling 
Norm, we got just a couple of minutes left with you. I want to ask you a couple, a uh, couple more questions, real quick. Uh, your thoughts on yeah. the Toronto Blue Jays spending money? George Springer, Marcus Simeon, bringing back Marcus Stroman. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe Marcus from the Bad Boys movie is going to be coming back. I mean, uh, well, how yeah. do you think about the the Blue Jays, a middle tier team like a lot of teams in the Major League Baseball, spending money right now when the big boys are not? Yeah, you have to. Uh, you have Bo Bichette and you got Vlad Jr. It, you have to spend money while these guys are young and you still have them. I think it's a smart move. The uh, difficult thing as a Blue Jays fan, especially these past couple of seasons, is they're probably going to be playing in Buffalo uh, and fans aren't going to get to see it. But in the AL East, if you don't spend money, what are you doing? I mean, unless you – like the Tampa Bay Rays seem to be the only team that could not have the biggest payroll in, in the league and still find success. You know, we're competing with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Yankees, obviously, I mean, I think they underachieved last year and they had injuries, but it, you have to spend the money. So uh, I, 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 I'm glad that they're spending the money because if you have Vlad and Bo Bichette, two young studs, you got to put support with like veterans and good players or else they're going to want to leave. And my final one for you, Toronto Raptors, seven and 10 right now. Oh. If you could put your finger on one thing that's gone wrong so far, 17 games in, a lot of time to play. Maybe you've been playing a little better over the last week or so. What's what's gotten them off to a rough start so far? Well, they hate playing in Tampa. Uh, <laughs> For starters? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't like it. it. That's why the rough start, uh, you know, they're in a place they're not comfortable in. I think they're getting more comfortable being there now. And, you know, I think Masai is probably wanted to make a, a deal for Harden, but he, he has a lot of faith in OG and he has a lot of faith in Pascal and he thinks Boucher is going to be their kind of next big. I like Boucher. He Tons of energy. Threes. Yeah. I mean, little raw still, but like, yeah, as you mentioned, he's starting to shoot three a little bit. Yeah. And the, the problem is like, we miss, we miss surge. We miss Gasol. We miss having those bigs. Uh, and truth be told, in the NBA, you need to have a superstar. I think um, Masai likes having OG and Pascal having big wings. But, you know, I, I think not a lot of teams make it without a top five guy. So uh, I don't know if there's, there's – I don't think there's an opportunity to swap for anybody this year, obviously. Cause, but the, move, the player movement the past couple of years has been pretty insane. But um, – I feel pretty good. You know, it, the East is, is kind of turned this year. The Knicks all of a sudden seem like they're okay. And uh, Philly seems to turn it around and Embiid is playing like an MVP. Uh, I think it's a great year for the Raptors to figure out what they got. I think they want to stick with Boucher, Van Vliet, OG, and Pascal as their core going forward. Couldn't help but Why notice I mean, you didn't mention Kyle Lowry there. So maybe there's a little capital perhaps coming back. If the season doesn't continue to kind of turn the way that you were expecting it to, could Kyle Lowry maybe be a guy that they, you know, just kind of cash in on a little bit now because you just feel like that his prime won't be in the window with that core moving forward? Yeah, he's not the future anymore. Uh, he's the greatest rapper that we've had uh, probably ever. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say probably yes. Um, but moving forward, I don't think he's going to be the guy. So is he a, can he help a young team that needs a point guard? I mean, probably, you know, I, I think 
I think it's pretty wild that the, my other NBA team is the Clippers, which is they're basically trying to piece together the old Raptors championship team. But I thought it would have been a smart you move. Still get, you, you still know? get to watch your surge. It's all good. I know. I got surge. I got Kawhi. I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> um, and I do like the Clippers. But, yeah, I mean, I'm happy where the Raptors are. It's like it, it's it's best to try to lay low and, and nurture the guys that you have. I mean, Boston seems to be – doing that it's like if he you know you had Jalen and you had Tatum and people weren't sure you give him some time you give him some some room to play and get some points it's like Boucher with getting minutes is like he's getting better the only thing that I have for the Raptors I think they should play Matt Thomas more who's a shooter um and they're not getting enough three play three point plays um but I I think Matt Thomas and having a shooter like that I think he should be getting more minutes. And we've had a couple um, couple of trades that didn't really work out. I know we got uh, uh, Bynes or whatever his name is, hasn't been playing very well. And Stanley but, Johnson's not the answer or anything like that. No. And, and unfortunately, no. you know, some of the shooting percentages, this is a little bit across the border, a little down. I think like between Van Vliet, Pascal, and Lowry, I think they're somewhere in between like the 42% from the field right now, somewhere in the low yeah, 30s and three point. That'll come back to its base level a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like you got a great coach, Nick Nurse. I think you're bringing up a great point that the fact that they're not in Jay Park playing their games there, like of all the places that really have just sort of kind of come together as like the sports experience. You know, I'm thinking off the top, just the ones that the underrated ones that no one thinks about is like Nashville Predators. Yeah, Toronto Raptors, right? Like those mm-hmm. are like the under, those are like the cult cool experiences right now for a fan in sports right now. Yeah, and there's that that uh, MLS team in Portland that's like oh, good uh, call. Yeah, pretty pretty wild. Uh, yeah, and, and you know Raptors, Norman Powell's playing like shit too, and he's he's starting to turn it around a bit. We're gonna have some momentum. We're a 500 team, you know, and that's okay. Yeah, and you can make the playoffs and maybe make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. And as long as we continue to have sports, yeah. Norm, I think we're all going to be totally cool with it. Norm Sousa, yeah. man, thank you so much for joining. You know, I absolutely have loved your bits. I mean, obviously, I love hanging with you and talking with you, but I've loved your bits on yeah. NFL pregame this year. Super excited. And I think that they would be crazy not to let you continue to expand that, take that on more and continue to make us laugh on Thursdays and Sundays. I think it would be great. Thank you so much for joining the show, man. I'm pitching a uh, sports sketch comedy show to Fox Sports right now. <laughs> Boom, baby. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. But I, I will. I will. Get the deck ready. Get the deck, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good to talk to you and hope to hope to bring you back soon. We can talk again. This was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Kansas City Stakes. Make sure you go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and punch in the code BLEAV to get free shipping. And also go to betonline.ag and get your money down on what's going to be a really fun Super Bowl coming up. Thank you so much for listening to the pod today. Be well, be safe, be good to each other. We will talk to each other soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.